Hello everyone, this is episode 743 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, October 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Mark Hernandez, and today I'll be talking about Mine Monkeys of Shaolin, Nine Monkeys of Shaolin, Scourgebringer, Hyper Brawl Tournament, and Tears of Avia. I guess I wanted to say nine, but said mine instead. Mine Monkeys of Shaolin, but those are the games I'll be talking about, and I'll get to that pretty much right away. All I'll say is that it seems like PlayStation 5s have finally gotten into the hands of the press, and I'm assuming influencers as well. We're seeing the box today and the unboxing of the DualSense, which I am probably the most interested in hearing about. I want to know what that feels like and what the battery life is like especially, but yeah, it looks like with the Series X news pretty much coming to an end... Who knows if they'll be giving influencers and press the Series S to play around with. I doubt it. But uh, it looks like we'll get nothing but PlayStation news from here until the launch of the consoles. The three weeks is maybe a lot. I'm at the point where I just want these consoles to come out. I think the Series X slow drip of information was the tipping point for me. And I'm like, yeah, just... Just let me get these in my hands. I'm, I'm good now. I don't need to hear any more about them. So, yeah, but it, it'll it be exciting for people. It'll also fuel the console war nonsense. I'm sure that there will be plenty of people out there testing this system who also have the Series X and showing us, okay, this is how fast Batman Arkham Knight loads on the Series X versus the PlayStation 5. On the PlayStation 5, it's two seconds faster. Therefore, the... Xbox should just not even bother. Just cancel it. Throw in the towel. We don't need it. And really looking forward to all that stuff. But who knows? I'm just assuming that given how much faster the NVMD SD SSD, I don't know what it's called. The the SSD, though, in the PlayStation 5 is significantly faster. I think at least twice as fast. But again, that may not end up being a huge factor with games not optimized for it. So we'll we'll find out what uh, the case is then. And then maybe they'll be getting their hands on some of the next-gen software like uh, Destruction, All-Stars, and Sackboy, and Demon's Souls. And it'll be also great to hear some first-hand accounts of backward compatibility with random games and just how they perform. So, yeah, that should be good. But I'm going to get on to... What I've been playing, and I'm going to start with Nine Monkeys of Shaolin, which really surprised me. I I don't remember seeing much coverage about this game prior to it launching, and then I got a press release or whatever for it maybe a week or two before it came out, and it is a beat-em-up set in Japan. Not Japan, in China. What am I talking about? Shaolin, obviously. And it is really good. So you play as a fisherman whose village, all your friends and family were slaughtered by some pirates or whatever. The story doesn't really matter, but the beat-em-up action is really, really fun. And I like the visual style and aesthetic to it. It has a a high contrast to it. it. It definitely focuses on that. Like You will see a lot of lights and a lot of darks and 
you, you'll see stuff in between, but it definitely has a, a very high contrast setting, which I, I think looks good. And there are varied settings, like right off the bat when you start playing, you'll be in a forested area, a town, a dock. Like there is a nice variety of levels, at least from the start. And where the game really works, though, is in the combat and the gameplay. It just feels great as a beat em up. So you have your basic attack, then you have like a poke attack. So you're, I don't know if you get any other kinds of weapons, but the main weapons you use, at least from the beginning, are staffs. So you have basic attacks and then a long range attack so that you can kind of like push people away from getting into your space and maybe just push them away while you work on some other enemies at the time. And then a kick attack. And along with that, you have this counter system, essentially. And I'm playing this on Xbox One, which is attached to the, or it's mapped to the left bumper. And... Doing this will allow you to counter attacks from close-up enemies who are attacking you with melee, but it'll also allow you to deflect bullets or whatever these long-range enemies are shooting at you. I don't even know. I, I, I don't think they're shooting arrows at you. They're not shooting guns, so that might be like a little straw that they're shooting, little pellets at you or whatever, but you can deflect those back at them and take them out with one hit, which is always satisfying, but... The main combat, it feels really good. You have you you get the ability pretty early on in the game to do these like super powered moves. So if you hold down any of the attacks, you'll do a, an extra powered up attack, which is good for breaking defenses and doing more damage. And you have a few bars, three bars, I believe, that correlate to both those types of attacks and then these more specialized attacks, which you do by holding I believe the left trigger and then one of the attack buttons which are mapped to x y and b and then a is like a dodge roll out of the way but these will be something like a all area or an area effect attack uh, an aoe attack where you attack everyone in a certain vicinity around you uh, and one where you do a heavy powered attack to knock someone down and then one where you can flip them up in the air and it just feels really good. The, the combat is super satisfying. There's a lot of interactivity in the environment, just in the sense that you you will have objects that you can just try to pick up whatever kind of like soup or whatever uh, that'll heal you, and you get plenty of those in every level. It's not too challenging. But when you defeat an enemy, the, the body will usually go flying in one direction or another, and it could hit buildings or other objects that you can't destroy yourself and then they'll break and it just leads to a very satisfying combat experience and on top of that every time you get into an encounter where you're fighting off against five six seven enemies when you defeat that last enemy it'll slow down to emphasize that you've defeated the last enemy and it just adds a nice exclamation point to every encounter and I just, I really like the game. It is super satisfying. It is one of my, you know, I, I go so far as to say it might be my favorite new beat-em-up that I played this gen. 
I'm trying to think of all the ones that are out. Like, I don't think there are that many. But like, I enjoy the combat more than and the game itself more than River City Girls. I like it more. I'm trying to think of any other beat 'em up. But like, Streets of Rage Four is still the top top for me. I, I like it more than Battletoads as well. And I'm sure I played other indie games that are much smaller that probably can't even compare really. Um, but I, I really like it. You also have, you'll, you'll get new equipment and whatnot to upgrade your character. You can't change the look of them or anything like that, but you can one upgrade all their abilities. So you have, I think two sheets of abilities. So you have your like basic abilities for, attack defense like special or whatever and then for those three special attacks the area effect one the over the head one and the the kick um but then you also will find equipment when doing missions that you can equip you'll find new weapons so i've only found other types of staffs at this point and then shoes and oh i don't know if it was like jewelry or if it's just flat out clothing and you'll be able to see those on your person so when you're using a new weapon you'll see what it looks like and they all have different attributes and bonuses attached to them but yeah i'm i'm really liking it i do do think it has online co-op as well which is really nice but if you are a fan of beat-em-ups i think you should definitely not sleep on nine monkeys of shaolin it may be a hard sell for a new IP at $30, but I think Streets of Rage 4 was $30 and Battletoads is $25 if you're not on Game Pass. I don't know if Streets of Rage 4 is still on Game Pass, but I think it's... I, I can't say for sure because I haven't played through it and I haven't finished or anything, but just the on the gameplay and even the the not so much customization, but the loop of gaining these points that I can put into my character and make them stronger. I really like it. I don't think that's a terrible price for it, but I think there is definitely a difference between $20 and $30 for those blind purchases. I think when you see something and it's $20 or less, it's much easier to say, yeah, I'll give that a go, even though maybe it won't be for me or whatnot. And then anything above that, like 25 is probably still in that gray area but i think 30 dollars or more is where people start to pause and think about things and i think if you if you like beat-em-ups i i can't recommend it highly enough i'm really really enjoying it i am playing on xbox one as i said and i've had no issues performance wise but i have heard that the switch version at least has some issues in, in regards to performance so that might be something to think about if that is your platform of choice before picking it up um but uh yeah i really really like nine monkeys of shaolin this could end up being one of my top 10 games of the year honestly i i just am having an absolute blast with it i it's just a really satisfying beat-em-up i think the the key to any beat-em-up is the combat the gameplay and how satisfying it is to make contact with another character to make contact with an enemy and every time i hit an enemy even if it's not a final blow, it just feels super satisfying. And when I hit that final blow and it sends them flying into this object or that object and you see it explode into you know a few pieces and whatnot, just 
it, it feels really good. It's a very satisfying beat em up. And yeah, very, very good. Really like it. Then Scourgebringer is a roguelite that <sighs> I think plays incredibly well and has some great ideas in it. But I think what it what hurts it is the fact that it is a roguelite with this procedurally generated nonsense and all that. Like, I love roguelites, roguelikes, but I think we're definitely getting, it's not even so much that it's over or oversaturated or that we're being oversaturated, even though we are being oversaturated with rogue whatevers, but that there is this, I don't know, problem assumption that you should just make your game into a roguelite, just like put those, I don't know, I, I don't know. The, the thing is, what Scourgebringer reminds me of most of all, and this may sound weird to anyone else who's played it, but it kind of feels like Celeste if you just added combat. And when I think of it that way, I'm like, I really wish this didn't go the roguelite way of having you go on runs in procedurally generated environments and then you die and you gain a few bits of blood which you use to upgrade your character so that you can make it further in runs and all that and instead just made these incredibly intricate and handcrafted levels that kept you moving forward you know it doesn't have to be 100% linear but for the most part you just going from screen to screen and you have to figure out how to navigate it via platforming and the combat, the addition of combat over something like Celeste. And I think that would have been such a better experience. Because the way it works is that you have a double jump, you have a dash, and then you have like a regular attack, a heavy attack, and you'll gain new abilities as you upgrade a character, like the ability to deflect projectiles back at enemies. And... It, it feels really good, but I just, the the roguelite aspect of it, it, it doesn't do anything to stand out. It's not doing anything special. I played similar games that I enjoy more in one way or another. I think Dead Cells still plays better just in terms of the combat. I, I enjoy the feel of that and all that. And then something like Rogue Legacy, I think, is just an overall better package. And I could keep listening to other games that are either better in one way or another or pretty similar. And I think while Scourgebringer stands out amongst a lot of them by having great combat and just great gameplay, the the setup of it is so bland and uninspired in the way you go about like it's just the the traditional you start off in a room and then you can go in typically one of four directions from the very get-go and you're just going through place to place until you find the exit or a boss or whatever and doing all that but it just it's not clicking with me in that regard and it's a bummer I, i really just wish i think it could have been amazing if it was more of a Celeste game with the addition of combat because it feels really good. It's just that the, I think the the rogue light dressing isn't doing it any favors 
and that's that's a bit of a bummer because it could it, it has a lot of potential but uh yeah that is again scourge bringer and then i played some hyperball tournament which is a sports game two on two where you have a, you're in a small arena sometimes there'll be obstacles in the way sometimes there won't and your goal is to throw this ball into the other person's the opponent's net and that's pretty much it you have special abilities that can allow you to either do extra damage against opponents or dash in a long line from the from like one end of the arena to another and any any opponent in your path will be knocked out for a short period of time you can attack them you can punch and kick them when you don't have the ball and when you shoot the ball you can curve it so you can shoot away from the net and curve it to the net if you feel so inclined if you if you're trying to do a trick shot but it's just it's pretty boring i wanted to like it but i wasn't having too much fun with it i think there's this weird like auto grab system with the ball and what i mean by that is that it seems like if the ball is like within a certain circumference of a character they'll automatically catch it so if they're by the net they don't need to be that accurate with their positioning in order to stop it from going in which is frustrating and it could just be me thinking too much into it and and that not being the case but also it's so easy to just trick at least the ai into leaving the space and just moving them out of the way to to score on them like it just wasn't super fun and there's there's online play there's just a basic arcade mode and then there's like a campaign mode did i say campaign and campaign or did i say arcade and campaign arcade and a campaign mode the campaign mode is is pretty basic but and the thing is you can't play online unless you agree to share your playing data and all that stuff because like no in order to play in line we need to know this and i'm like i don't like that i never like to share my data but anyway that's not important what's more important is that hyperball tournament is just it's not that much fun and and i'll play some more maybe and see if my feelings change and if i do if like if it starts to click i'll let y'all know next week but with the hour or two i put into it i just wasn't enjoying any of the games i was playing i was just like (laughs) and it's funny because they don't even last that long i think maybe around last two minutes and the way it works is that it's the best of i I think the default is best of three rounds so instead of like a traditional sports game where your total score across all the periods or quarters or whatever it is what you're essentially going after and like if you, if you have a bad quarter a bad half where you only score a few points and the opponent scores twice as many as you if you destroy them in the, in the next one then you're still good but in this you can have one really really bad game but if you win the two other games then you're still okay so it's a best of format for that but it was just really boring doesn't look all that great either so bit of a disappointment there and then tears of avia is a pretty traditional tactics rpg j i would i would say you know in, in the same vein as jrpgs tactics jrpgs 
where you have your various typical classes, warrior, knight, priest, mage, archer, whatnot. And you can bring up to five members when you go on missions. Uh, it looks all right. Story's okay. And the the gameplay is decent. I I don't think there's a difficulty level. I, no, no, there is. I think the only difficulty level, which kind of annoys me, is standard and hardcore. And hardcore is what you'd expect, I guess. You know, it's just much, much more challenging. But standard and it's like descriptor. It's like, okay, if you want an easier experience or whatever, or blah, 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 blah. And then one of the other points is like, if you are new to this type of game and you've never played, I'm like, I kind of wish that there was a third difficulty option that they had like an actual standard normal this is challenging this is good for people who are versed in these types of games in the genre but maybe don't want that really really brutal challenge and then instead of having it you know and then breaking off this the standard difficulty and have that like normal one that default and then have a story or casual difficulty i think it just makes sense to have those three difficulty settings if you're not going to have more than three and and just two seems way too limited because at least the two hours i put into the game or no yeah two hours which equates to like 22 or three percent completion of the game so it's it's not super long uh but it's been super easy like i haven't I feel like I could play the game with my eyes closed and not worry about anything, which is frustrating because I, you know, depending on the game, sure, I want it to be a pretty easy experience, but I I like to have some kind of challenge and the challenge just isn't there on center. Maybe I would get what I want on hardcore mode, but I just look at that word and I'm like, hardcore? Nope. I don't want to do that, especially not on my first go around. So that's a bit disappointing, but uh, the 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 gameplay is pretty standard. You move; it's a grid based grid based environment, and or, or all the combat areas are grid based. And you have your turns, and you, you move. You do one action, and then you're done with the character. And you could do either an action and then move, or move and then an action, and every single one of your actions, except maybe like your basic ones all have a cooldown phase the the th- I, I wonder if this was in hardcore mode too and not in standard because I, I noticed this and i'm like this is really weird i don't understand this the like mpsp or whatever which you use for these special attacks and whatnot it seemed to always refill after combat which is just i don't understand that but and, and that takes away a lot of the strategy. So if that's something that you get with... It just, like, the di- the difficulty thing may be more of an issue than I'm even realizing. But, you know, you, you move along these grid-based things, you attack enemies, they'll attack you, and it's, 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 a, it's a basic tactics RPG. The real problem with the game, though, and why I would say you should avoid it, and this is at least, or, or strictly speaking of the Xbox One version. And I'm playing on Xbox One X, and I can't comment on any other version of the game. But at least right now, 
Hopefully they'll patch it at some point and fix this because for me, you know, frame rate, depending on how bad it is, can be a problem for me. But what I find more problematic than any other thing in games is screen tearing. And Tears of Avia has horrendous screen tearing. Sometimes it's not that bad, but other times it is just all over the place, just all over the screen. And it is incredibly distracting. It hurts my head. Like I find screen tearing to be such an annoying thing. And it is so prevalent throughout the entirety of the game, whether you're in the town or in an area doing battles. Like it just is constant. And that sucks because I think if you were to take that out and of course difficulty issues aside, I think the game's pretty solid. The upgrade system solid. Like I think if you like these types of games, it's absolutely worth checking out. If not for the fact that the screen tearing is as bad as it is, at least on Xbox. So I will look into it and if uh they fix it say by next week or whenever then i'll i'll update y'all and let you know that the problem has been resolved but as it stands right now uh, i just can't recommend tears of avia because of the screen tearing Uh, unless you are someone who doesn't find it problematic which i find it hard to believe that anyone could be okay with screen tearing because i think that is more noticeable to the layman than frame rate issues. I think an inconsistent frame rate, people are just like, oh, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. It's just screen tearing to me. The thing is, screen tearing is very visual, and frame rate is something where it can seem juddery. Like it, it all differs by what kind of frame rate issue it is. Frame dropping, you know, whatever. You know, there there are different types of frame rate issues you can have. And screen tearing is just screen tearing. It is just, look at that fucking, look at all those fucking screen tears. It's driving me nuts. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty much all I've been playing. Have watched some stuff, which I do want to mention. One is, I finally watched on Netflix. And I'm so annoyed that I can't buy this physically anyway. And I don't know if there will ever be a way to get it. Because it's just a 17 minute short. And unless he's done more shorts, I don't, I don't see anything outside of a collection adding this because this this probably would have made sense to add to his documentary, The Art of Life, but that came out three years ago. They're not going to reprint that with this edition. But what I'm reter- referring to is the short, What Did Jack Do by David Lynch? And I am a big fan of Lynch and his nonsense, even though I would say that maybe maybe outside of the first season of Twin Peaks, but even then, I think there's a lot of... I think David Lynch is an incredible director, creative thinker, just creator in general. But I don't know if I'd say the majority of what he's made is actually good. Twin Peaks, season one, I really enjoyed. I'd probably say that's good. Season two, I still enjoyed overall. But that definitely had some issues. Then the movies, both Firewalk With Me and then The Missing Pieces, which you probably shouldn't consider The Missing Pieces a real movie because I I don't know what his 
Like me, he might have edited it and considers it an, uh, a real movie, which is just like two and a half hours of deleted scenes stitched together from Firewalk with Me. But I think Firewalk with Me is an absolute pile of garbage, and I think The Missing Pieces is equally, if not more garbage or, or a bigger pile of garbage. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the hell out of watching them because they're just ludicrous. And, and so much of his stuff, I just look at him like, man, you're fucking weird. And this shit is weird. But I dig your weirdness. I can't, I can't bring myself to say your weirdness is good, but it is wholly unique. It is 100% you. And I can appreciate that. And that, that, that is something that is incredibly subjective. You know, there, there are plenty of weird auteurs out there and creators out there and different brands of weird will work for different people and lynch's brand of weird just works for me so yeah anywho what did jack do is a 17 minute short where lynch plays a detective who is interrogating a monkey one of those little monkeys that ross had on friends which i think why the fuck was that a plot point on friends did that even make sense? Was that legal at the time? Is it still legal to have a monkey like that in New York? It's weird. It's really weird that he had that monkey. But it's one of those monkeys. It may not be exactly that monkey. I mean, it's definitely not exactly that monkey in, in the terms that that monkey is probably dead, the one that was in Friends. But that that species of monkey, that specific type of monkey. <laughs> but uh, he's just interrogating this monkey, and they're talking back and forth. The monkey speaks and opens its mouth and has, like, I don't know, maybe it's the actual monkey's anatomy in terms of its teeth, or they could be human teeth. It's weird, though, and what they're talking about fucking doesn't make any sense, and they just keep going off on various, I don't even want to call them tangents, it's just like they, I mean, it's technically what a tangent is, but it's just like, okay, we're done talking about this. Let's just move on to this fucking topic. Okay, let's just transition to this topic. Like, it's so fucking weird, but I think it might be my favorite Lynch thing. And I think it's because maybe, just maybe, his brand of weird works best in short doses in these short pieces. And I just want now a collection of shorts by Lynch of fucking weird shit because I am all about what did Jack do. I want it. I want to own it. I love it. I, I watch it and it's like it's one of the few things that I watch and I'm like, I'm not removing this from my queue. And this is on Netflix. I don't know if I mentioned that, uh, but I really like it. And then I gave Terminator Dark Fate a second chance because I've heard so many good things about it. And when I initially watched it, I I didn't like it and I couldn't give you a reason why. I think part of it is that I just or I think the majority of it and the or the only reason was because I wasn't in the right mood and in part because before I watch it, a friend was just telling me about how bad it was for this reason and that reason. And I think I just went into it expecting to not like it. And I just, I didn't give it a fair shake, which happens with me from time to time. I definitely know that there are moments when I am not in the mood to watch something new and I shouldn't force myself to watch something new. And when I force myself to watch something new, there's a good chance that I'm just not going to like it regardless of its quality and the potential of me actually liking it. So I rewatch it. It's on Hulu. That's where I watch it. And I'm assuming it's still there. But I I really, 
really liked it. And I can say now, after rewatching the first movie, it is my second favorite movie after the second. Of course, nothing's ever going to top T2. T2 is just one of the best action movies of all time. Love Terminator 2 so much. But Terminator Dark Fate works on basically every level. Like, I, I love everything about it upon the rewatch. I'm like, why why did I not like this the first time? I like I don't understand. It's so confusing. I don't I'm upset about it honestly. But I really had a great time with it. I think it's super fun. I think the the actor who I don't think I've seen him in anything before, but who's playing the new Terminator does such a great job. And and that's the thing I I rewatched the third movie as well, which I still think is an okay movie. I think it's solid. I think it, it is the type of movie that if it was on TV, I'd watch, but I would never go out of my way to rewatch it. And I think the biggest problem with Terminator three rise of the machines is that whatever her name is, the lady Terminator, who's the new, who's the big bad of that one. She just isn't interesting. She's really, really boring. She might be the most boring of all the movies. You know, I can't speak for Salvation. I can't. I do not remember that movie at all. But like even the fifth, yeah, Genesis. <laughs> Genesis is fucking real bad, but it's enjoyable bad. I guess it's it's funny bad. It's it's a great movie to make fun of and just be like, this is so fucking stupid. But Terminator Three, the the Terminator just isn't all that interesting, and it kind of feels like. Maybe it's some people could say, "Well, that's great for the movie." It feels like it's the one where Schwarzenegger is phoning it in the the most and feels the most robotic. And you might be like, "Well, he's a fucking he's not a he's not a android. He's not a robot. What is it? What do they call him? Because it's like no cybernetic material with the you've got the synthetic thing on your body." Uh, yeah. They have to be specific about it, whatever. But I think Dark Fate is a lot of fun. It's disappointing that it did so poorly so that we won't get any more. But at the same time, I don't I don't feel like, or at least when I got to the ending, I, I didn't think, oh, I need more Terminator. I thought this is a fine way to end it. And I, I can't remember when they were talking about rebooting the series because this basically negates everything that came after T2. So essentially all those don't, really matter and why they don't matter you can watch and find out but i can't remember i feel like i heard or read that there were ideas of making a i guess it would be similar to salvation where it's another one set in the future during the actual battles and everything but i don't know i don't know anywho terminated dark fate a lot of fun i ordered a used copy of it on 4K. So I'm excited to get that and add it to my collection. And yeah, I definitely think it's it's worth checking out. Lots of fun. But I think that will really do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Marcus Nez. You all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sauces. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baca, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also 
But before I talk about my art, Attack the Backlog will have a new episode this weekend on Sunday. And I was trying to think, what am I going to put out? Should I put out Friday the 13th or Anthem? And I'm like, it's fucking October. Halloween is just around the corner. Of course I'm going to put out Friday the 13th. So that'll be the episode for this Sunday. And then Anthem will be the following one. And I just, I finished Undertow for the series. I bought $5 DLC for that fucking dumb game, which is absolutely a waste of money. And I'm now playing through Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, which, spoilers, I am not enjoying it nearly as much as the majority of people. So that'll be fun, I'm sure, to talk about. And yeah, that that's pretty much it in terms of Attack the Backlog updates. I am loving my Pixelbook Go. I wrote all of the script for the Undertow episode on it. It feels great. I, I love typing on it. I love the battery life. The recharge time is good. Uh, it's just, it is exactly what I needed from a laptop. And now my monitor for my computer has a, a horizontal line across the entire screen of stuck pixels that I've tried to remove and I can't. And it's frustrating, but I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe I'll make my second monitor just my main monitor and I'll have one monitor and then I can change my setup and have a much bigger TV here so that I can play in the glories of 4K with UHD and 120 hertz because right now I can only fit a 32-inch TV. But if I change the, the way things are set up, and the way I'm thinking, if I remove this monitor, I will have 48 inches of space then for a TV. And I think like a 50-inch TV takes up 45 roughly, like on average, maybe inches of horizontal space. So that would work, a 50-inch TV. And I think 50-inch or 49-inch, 50-inch is the very minimum for TVs right now, at least, that offer 120 hertz. But I'm in no rush to do any of this, so... Yeah, you know, especially with new consoles and other stuff. It's just like, yeah, I don't need it right now, but I think I might do that. And like like this this single horizontal line isn't super problematic or distracting. It's just, it's there. I know it's there and I don't like it. But uh, yeah, getting back to the end of the show. You can also check out the art I make on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. I was confused. I was like, wait... Do I say week or weekend? No, on Amazing Baca. On Amazingly Baca is where I say week because that comes out on a Monday. Get it? Anime, Monday, Monday. That's the whole thing. You know what? I never say that on the actual show. I made a whole point of releasing it on Monday so I could constantly make that joke. I don't think I've made it on one episode about how it comes out on a Monday. God damn it. Anywho, that is really it. Okay, so this is where I say bye. Uh...